Hey, what's up, everyone? It's C.W. your host here on the Top Docs Radio Show in partnership with our friends at Medical Association of Georgia. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. Um, on today's show, we're going to be getting into a discussion around the economics of healthcare. obviously a big topic for uh, both the news media as well as just your average American talking about the cost of both receiving as well as delivering health care and ways that we might be able to uh, come up with some ways to reduce the cost of providing care and just the cost of what it takes to be well in the in the United States. And today my subject matter expert is Dr. Frank McDonald. He's a board-certified neurologist with Longstreet Clinic in Gainesville, Georgia, who served as the president of Medical Association of Georgia from 17 to 18. He's a graduate of the MAG Foundation's Georgia Physicians Leadership Academy and received his medical degree from University of Mississippi Medical School and completed residency and fellowship at University Hospital in Jackson, Mississippi. It's also worth noting that Dr. Dr. McDonald has an MBA from Emory University's Goisueta Business School. Thanks for making some time today. Well, thank you for inviting me. Something that you commonly hear around the discussion of health care is health care is a right in our country. Talk about your perspectives on that concept and, and what it means for us here. Well, there's not a simple answer. Um, when you say health care is a right, do you, are you saying that basic health care is a right or health care is a right regardless of your ability to pay or um, you have to define what you mean by a right? Now, you know, the laws of the universe don't grant us any human rights. So as a society, we choose what we want to uh, make a right. And so if we choose for health care to be a right as a society, then it's it's a right. If we choose otherwise, then it's not. I see. And well, I, I think my perspective on that, for what it's worth, is I think that to a certain extent, I agree with the way you say it, is that a civilized society is going to do whatever they can for their population to the level that they can. I think that the question becomes on that topic of what is a right is to the extent of how far can we go with healthcare delivery to someone who doesn't have any means whatsoever. So it's, a, it's an interesting perspective for sure and a concept for many to think about. When you think about the government, because that's the other thing that we're hearing a lot about is how the government should participate and involve itself in healthcare and healthcare policy in general. What do you think about government involvement in healthcare and, and policy around it? Well, here again, it's whatever we as a society want government to do. Um, government at this point provides health care for the poor with Medicaid, health care for the elderly with Medicare, and health care for veterans and their dependents with uh, the VA and TRICARE system. Um, the, the current um, or the presidential debates um, for 2020, they're talking about providing health care for everyone. And if we as a society choose to do that, then um, we will do that. If we choose otherwise, then that limits the government's role. The question is, what can we pay for? What, what we're able to pay for and what we're willing to pay for as a society. When you compare the structure of our healthcare system here, it's as you mentioned, we have a blend of channels of support, whether that's commercial insurance companies, and then as you were just mentioning, there's different ways through Medicare, Medicaid, and these other types of plans where healthcare is provided 
you know, through government support. Well, how do we stack up and how does our system compare to what you see around the world? Well, we like to compare ourselves with Great Britain and say, and talk about how much better our system is than theirs. Uh, in Great Britain, the hospitals are owned by the government and all of the healthcare providers are, are government employees. There are 1.7 million uh, people employed in the national health system in, in Great Britain, which makes them the fifth largest employer in the world. Now, we like to talk about how inefficient their system is, but the truth is the people in Great Britain uh, in general think their system is very good and they like it and they brag that the number one reason uh, they're proud to be British is because of the national health care system. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, there is a chronic doctor shortage. Um, the um, um, Midwifery Association says that of every 29, I'm sorry, of every 30 people who enter midwifery, 29 leave prematurely because of working conditions. Wow. So um, there are both sides to that. Has anybody out there outside of our country, I mean, are there some innovations that seem to be making some good headway, making seem like it might be a good solution well, towards this question? Well, a number of countries do it differently without having strictly socialized medicine. Uh, Germany uh, requires everyone to have insurance, but the rich can opt out of it. Uh, they do not allow the insurance companies to make a profit on the basic health insurance, but they can make profits, uh, profit on add-ons. Um, and the the overhead of the insurance company's average is about 6%. Uh, in, in addition, in Germany, um, medical education is free and malpractice insurance is about $1,400 a year. So doctors are not uh, finishing their training under the burden of having to make as much money. Uh, Switzerland um, uh, requires everyone to have health insurance but subsidizes the poor. And their um, they also do not allow health insurance companies to make a profit, and their health insurance um, overhead is about five and a half percent. What is what is our overhead looking like here? Well, the uh, Affordable Care Act mandated that health insurance overhead cannot exceed fifteen to twenty percent, depending on the size of the health insurance companies. So, very much less efficient than European health insurance companies. I guess there's layers of of bureaucracy and obviously profit. Uh, in in that delivery model. Yes, yes. Well, on that, I mean, when when Americans are polled around their their view of our healthcare system here in America, what what are they saying? Well, the Gallup uh, Gallup organization has polled Americans every year since um, I think 1994, and in general, about 70 percent of people respond that our healthcare system either has problems or is in crisis. Um, they people tend to love their doctors, but uh, they're not so fond of the healthcare system itself. When we talk about the health insurance companies, I mean, they're companies obviously here in the U.S., and they do make a profit. Where does that profit come from? How does that how does that fit into the picture of the cost? Well, there are a number of ways health insurance companies make a profit. First of all, health insurance is always going to increase the cost of health care because you've got their profit and overhead on top of the cost of the health care. So it's kind of like uh, the friction in the system. Um, now, they... If you if you buy insurance and you protect yourself from risk, then your reaction may be because it's not going to cost me as much. I'm going to consume more health care. Well, they combat that by having deductibles, and so that means that you have some skin in the game and you're not going to overuse uh, health care resources. 
then they try to push down uh, what they pay to providers by um, prior authorizations and narrow networks and things like that to widen their margin. And another way they make money is to sell more product, not just more volume, but insure more items. So when you start insuring um, um, eyeglass coverage and dental coverage, it really doesn't make economic sense because healthcare is supposed to protect you from a risk that you can't uh, absorb and you know you may not be happy to pay $400 for a pair of glasses but it doesn't make it sense to have insurance pay for that because your premiums are going to in the long run cost you more than $400. True. And when we talk about insurance for example and some of these government plans like Medicare Medicaid some of that is basically a vehicle through which you can receive you talked about subsidy or support financially to get health care we obviously are trying to get more and more people with access to care part of that means I guess reducing the number of people who have no coverage or no 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 coverage for health care whatsoever available to them. How do we do? Right. How do we reduce that amount of people? Well, um, people who are uninsured are are expensive for the, for society. They're not likely to seek care. Uh, they postpone care. They get their care in expensive environments like the emergency emergency mm-hmm. department. They're more likely to, to become disabled, uh, and they're less likely to contribute to the workforce. So even people who are um, uh, believe firmly in personal responsibility and and think what well, we should not be subsidizing the poor's health care, uh, they are subsidizing it in, in the taxes they pay for the care of, of, of the disabled and unemployed. So um, it makes sense to spend the money to keep them healthy, even if you don't have the empathy of their suffering. Today, what do you feel like are some of the bigger barriers to some of these people getting access to care? Well, the, the biggest barrier is, is cost. Uh, people who are uninsured quite often just can't afford it. Uh, the government provides care like we talked to before, but most people get their care through their employer. And if you're healthy enough to work, then you're relatively cheap to insure. So if you're employed, you can get insurance, provided the employer is big, big enough. Uh, if you're poor, you can get Medicaid. If you're elderly, you get Medicare. But that leaves people who are stuck between uh, not qualifying for government programs and not having a, a job that provides them with insurance. And most of those people uh, can't afford to go out and buy insurance. Talk about what we're talking about when we say universal health care versus single-payer health care. What's the difference? I'm a bit of a well, neophyte to that concept. So what for, for those that are listening, what are we talking about first in well, universal versus universal health care means everybody has insurance and that's what the Affordable Care Act was set up to provide. Single payer means that there we've eliminated the insurance industry and there's one insurer and and if there's only going to be one it's got to be the government or a quasi government entity. So the idea of Medicare for all would be a single payer um, but with universal, everybody would be required to have insurance, but they could go buy their insurance from a number of providers in the market. Talk about how this, you know, we're discussing access to care. How does that impact patient outcomes? I mean, obviously, if I'm getting good preventive care, then my diabetes may stay in check, may not advance, maybe even improve. Other factors like that might be improved upon if with good access to care such that I cost a whole lot less to keep well. Um, talk about how that access to care can impact both the outcomes as well as just what it costs. Well, we as physicians like to think that uh, what we do is 
the sole contributor to, to healthcare outcomes. The truth is, access to care and quality care only contributes about 20% uh, to healthcare outcomes. 10% is uh, environmental factors like housing and, and pollution and sanitary sewers and, and clean drinking water. Uh, 30% is um, healthcare choices that patients make, like diet, alcohol use, uh, tobacco use, uh, illicit drugs, unsafe sex. And then about 40% is socioeconomic, and that has to do with uh, income, uh, has to do with um, uh, violent society, um, uh, crime, and things like that. So as physicians, we only uh, influence about 20% of healthcare outcomes. Well, we've got some issues around access to care that we've talked about today. Um, obviously, there's some elements where um, both from just sounds like the payer perspective, but also I think even on the delivery side, we can probably find some ways where we might be able to provide care uh, for for less cost overall. When you look at the system that uh, we've just been talking about, what in your mind is the way that we should consider fixing, or at least the some of the first things we should focus on? Well, our system is too expensive. We're by far the most expensive uh, healthcare system in the world. Uh, in 1980, um, we spent about 8.2% of the, our gross domestic product on healthcare. And Sweden was about 8.4%. Uh, we were up there with uh, Germany and Denmark. Um, but since 1980, we've been climbing much faster than everyone else. And in 2017, we had reached 17.2%. The nearest competitor was 12.3%. Uh, so we're way ahead of anybody and it's it's really unsustainable. The money we spend for health care um, we can't spend for other programs um, and we can't spend it for infrastructure, we can't spend it for social programs so we've got to get our health care cost under control. Uh, the way I think we should do that first of all is uh, doctors need to be in charge. I think over the years doctors have been sidelined and bureaucrats have, have uh, tried to manage the health care system and they really don't have a good understanding of the health care system. Um, I saw a, a graph that shows since 1975 uh, the number of doctors in the country has grown by 80%, but the number of administrators in the country has grown by 3,500%. And it's because our health care system is so complex, we have to hire more and more people mm. to keep up with the regulations. And so that money is not going to taking care of patients. So doctors need to be in charge. Uh, we need to spend more on social matters so we can spend less on health care. Um, we spend less on social issues than any other industrialized country. We spend 17% of our GDP on health care, but only 9% uh, of our GDP on social issues. France, on the other hand, spends 12%, 12.1% on health care, um, but they spend about, four, uh, about four, uh, 15 or 16% on social issues. So um, if we expect that our outcomes are we want our outcomes to get better. We've got to spend the money on things that that result in better outcomes, such as social issues. Well, what kind of things fall under the social issues you're talking about? Uh, a job training so people can have livable wage, um, providing people with housing, providing people with unemployment benefits, uh, things that we do but we don't do as well as other countries. And when people have the resources, um, then they can take advantage of, of health care and take care of their health care needs. Are there some websites or other resources that you would refer somebody to, whether they're a health care clinician or even just a general 
listener out there that just has an interest in healthcare and what can be done about it? Good resources you recommend? Well, the Commonwealth Fund has a lot of information on um, how we compare to other countries in our healthcare. Uh, the Kaiser Family Foundation is another good source. Uh, the Physicians Foundation has in, some good information on the social uh, determinants of healthcare, and then the and CMS um, has has good resources. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time. I I think. I, I too agree that there are some things that I believe that we can do both inside our healthcare system and maybe some structural ones to boot on top of that to even further reduce the, the amount of money that we're spending every year as a nation on delivering and health care and trying to keep our, our nation healthy. So I appreciate you taking some time here today to share your perspective with us. And we hope all the folks out there that took time to check us out today will turn around and click share on the video. And uh, you might be putting it out in front of somebody that this kind of information gets them involved and maybe makes a big difference for us in the end. Thanks to everybody for making us a part of your day today and we want to make a special thank you to Alliant Health Solutions for helping to make this show possible.